Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 395 featuring Oliver Markowski, head of 3D over at Rise Visual Effects Studio. And he is someone that I've actually had a huge amount of respect for and I've absolutely loved having him talk to him for years and years and years about the industry. Uh, very, very knowledgeable person, very excited person too. That's one thing I have a love about Oliver is he has enthusiasm about everything that's going on. And uh, whenever there's something going on in a trend, especially in this on the Houdini side effect side of things, Oliver is always a good person to talk to. So uh, Kristen, what did you think of the podcast with Oliver? Well, this was great. It was super technical, um, but he has a great story of kind of how he came into VFX and CG world. Um, mm-hmm. And also before he be- got to Rise, he was a freelancer. He worked for like Scanline, Trickster, Macavision, and Framestore. So a lot mm-hmm. of huge companies. Um, and he's also worked on like huge movies, uh, Captain America, Civil War, which one of my favorites, mm-hmm. Black Panther, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. And then the latest was Fantastic Beats, The Secret of Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it's techie, but he kind of gets into uh, what they use at Rise, their USD pipeline with Material X and how they operate. Um, He goes into Solaris and his kind of heavy use of it and uh, different shaders. And then you guys also towards the end talk about how different companies will solely start using Houdini and Solaris for scene assembly. So that was a really interesting bit. Yeah, there. for sure. I mean, it's great to hear about Oliver's past, which is uh, really cool and sort of see where he comes from. But I got to say, it's, it's you know, when we get towards the end and we talk about basically the future of scene assembly and how it's going to change everything, this is something that Oliver has been thinking about for many years and not only thinking about it, but try to implementing it. And so thinking about what Houdini and Solaris means, specifically what USD is implied and the importance of Material X in a universal pipeline uh, is really kind of interesting uh, because it is important for, especially for companies like Rise that have to work with multiple different companies uh, and exchange data formats between these things. I mean, that's basically the future of all these big films, like, you know, like, like, like uh, all the Captain Americas and the Black Panthers and all those things. I mean, you have to exchange a lot of data. And so the USD process is kind of a, one of the critical things to make that happen. So really interesting. Oliver's perspective on this is really important. So I'm really glad that he was able to come on and we were able to discuss. In fact, I carried that discussion over to a lot of people at Chaos as well, who were very excited to have that. So uh, really great to have him on. Okay, we've got a couple of announcements. Uh, and the, the, Our V-Ray 6 stuff has been slowly rolling out to a bunch of different platforms. So uh, currently, uh, the latest one that's out is V-Ray 6 for Cinema 4D, which includes a lot of the cool features that we've seen in Max and Maya, including things like the finite dome light and uh, uh, ACCG support and faster rendering and uh, thin film, uh, uh, NMesh, decals, all, all of that cool stuff has been uh, slowly been, uh, uh, has been put in into V-Ray 6 for Cinema 4D. Uh, The same is true for Max and Maya, which is already out as well. And for public betas, uh, V-Ray 6 for SketchUp and Rhino are available in public betas if you guys are interested in that platform. Okay, now in terms of events, we have a slew of events happening. I just got back from THU. So uh, look forward to, by the way, some great podcasts that I got from THU. So those are going to be pretty special and we'll get to those when we talk about them. Uh, But events coming up. Kristen, what's going on? Yeah, so you can find these out at chaos.com slash events. Uh, We have two uh, happening on October 4th. The first one is actually starts on October 4th, goes through the 25th. It is a 28-day 
unmissable V-Ray for SketchUp webinar series. So look, you have to go online wow. and you can sign up and watch those. Um, and then another one is a live in-person event, and this will be in London on October 4th. Um, and it will be at 3D London. So it's just a UK CG community event. Um, it should be really fun. And then on October 5th, we have another live webinar, and this will be introducing V-Ray 6 for Cinema 4D. So you can learn what's new, tips and tricks, and expert advice. And uh, uh, towards end of October, on October 19th, it will be Chaos Day in Paris. So you can join Chaos in an event in Paris from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Cyclone. Again, you can find all this out at chaos.com slash events. Click on what you're interested in and sign up. <laughs> Perfect. That's great. A lot of great stuff coming up. I know we, for, for a while in the summer, things were kind of quiet, but there's a ton of events happening this fall. Mm -hmm. So go check those out. Again, that is chaos.com slash events. All right, great. Now, if people want to know more about the podcast, Kristen, where can they go? You can go to facebook.com slash cggaragepodcast or chaos.com slash cggarage. And if you'd like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaosgrouptv. Perfect. And if you guys have any comments or ideas or anything you want to know about the podcast, you can always email us. Labs at chaos.com is our email. We've gotten some great suggestions in the past, and we'd love to get one from you guys as, uh, now as well. Um, all right. But for now... Please enjoy episode number 395 with our good friend, Oliver Markowski. Welcome to another CG Garage, where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray And while image-based lighting is really swell You need to make sure everything has for now It's doing some, some post-processing and uploading So yeah, right. don't worry about that Perfect, perfect I just want to make sure we're all on board on that So well, it's good to see you, man I think I, you saw some of my some of my co-workers uh, at FMX this year, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go. You were there, right? You were part of a panel. Yeah, I've been, there, right? I've been on, a, on the Chaos panel. Right. I've been yeah. on the, on the um, high-end visual effects for episodic uh, panel that, that Chaos Group um, was hosting uh, with, I don't know his name because it's, uh, yeah, I don't recall it. And there okay. was Albina, you know Albina? Yes, of course. And 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 like uh, the two other guys, uh, was a was a good panel. Yeah, cool, really good, awesome, <clears throat> awesome. Well, cool. All right, so uh, you and I met Lado at 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 Sigraf just briefly. Oh, good. We oh, just good, ran good, into good. each other. Like we 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 see each other every now and then. Like we we have been on a like birds of a feather at Sigraf twenty eighteen on okay. the Cryptomat buff where where Flado spoke mm -hmm. and and after him um i i gave a little talk as well about cryptomats cool awesome mm -hmm. awesome 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 okay so you and i have known each other for a while as well uh, it's always great to catch up with you and we run into each other mostly at events like siggraph or fmx and things like that so that's cool but uh you know as you've since you said you've heard these podcasts you kind of know but I want to try to get into people's backstories and find out what was their origin story and how they got into it. So what was some of the things that got you into being, uh, you know, into visual effects and computer graphics? So are we, are we recording already? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what got me into visual effects? Um, 
I would say luck. A lot of luck. luck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because like like my first gig in, in visual effects was at Scanline, Scanline Munich uh, in uh -huh. 2006. And uh, by the time I I spent most of, like I did most of my work, like before visual effects, I spent my time doing like medical visualization and like cheap projects. And you can imagine how my demo reel looked back then. <laughs> so you apply at Scanline with a reel full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. and um but i don't know how um they called me invited me for an interview uh i drove to munich but went uh to the interview and three weeks later they called me and told me yeah you get the job can you start like next monday <laughs> i was like sure and where and were you living started, at the time i was living in um in leipzig eastern germany okay. um it's like Uh, like an hour by train south of Berlin. Okay. So, but still, like I was, I was a freelancer. I, I was just like I have finished my. I didn't even finish my studies yet. So, um, yeah. So, but then I started working at Scanline. Was totally excited um, to have my first gig. Uh, the 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 show was uh, a German uh, movie called uh, Hui Bui. The, the castle ghost it was a mm -hmm. little ghost uh, like which was um the cg ghost going on to like live action footage and like three weeks into the job i spoke to the the recruiter that hired me and she told me um hey ollie uh i wanted to tell you that we're super happy to have you on board because uh we didn't think that you would uh, uh be a good fit but you were the only one that applied for the job. <laughs> so that's what I mean by I was lucky to get into the industry because they obviously had no other one uh, applying for the job. And it turned out that like on, on a technical level, I was like totally able to do the job, right. but I, I had zero experience. My demo reel, I, I need to, 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 to find that because it's, um, it was really crappy back then. But yeah, that's, um, Uh, what got me into uh, visual effects, um, like visual effects, visual effects, but not into like 3D and stuff. But at Scanline, like the the the, the job, um, the first job I got there uh, was only for I think not even two months. It was like the end crunch mode on this okay. show, and they they needed someone that was basically the first show where they did not use uh, 3ds Max um, because they were. Uh, collaborating with uh, another studio with Trickster that did the animation on the show and for some reason they needed to render their stuff uh, uh, through Maya uh, back uh, back in the days they we used Mental Ray mm -hmm. good old times and yeah they 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 had no in-house experience not even like not in Maya not with Mental Ray so um, yeah uh, it turned out Like I was a good fit, and then they immediately asked me to stay um, for an animated feature that they were producing at the same time. Um, also, like a German production, uh, also kind of like ambitioned. It and it it was not a bad movie at all, uh, and it also had quite a good budget. And it turned out like 
not too bad at the box box office, at least not in Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, so I spent uh, another one and a half years at Scanline working there. So yeah. Okay, and so that was for, so this was around two thousand six. So you were there for what another two years? So yeah, I was there until like um, July two thousand and seven. Basically, okay. I I finished my my gig at Scanline, and then I went straight to uh, San Diego for my first SIGGRAPH in two thousand seven. Oh, okay. That yeah, was the famous. That was the famous. A... That was the famous SIGGRAPH for two thousand seven. Yeah, it was my first one, and I was totally blown away. Like it was so cool to be there. Yeah. yeah really Did you good. go to the party on the on the aircraft carrier? Yeah, of course, the Autodesk party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> sick. That was really good, really, really good. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. That's cool. Okay, so you go to SIGGRAPH. So that's that's great. That's your first SIGGRAPH. Do you try to were you going to get recruited or to look at for new jobs? Is that the main thing you were no, trying no, to do? No, 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 not not as a like as a German. If you wanna if you wanna work in the US, it's basically like there's so much uh, visa stuff going on. You have to apply for. I don't know. Okay. Um, so I, I was just going there because I I'm a geek. <laughs> <laughs> right and uh i was back then and i still am so uh yeah I, I just wanted to see it because i've been to fmx before of course but sigraph is a is a different story right it's it's still sure. fmx is great but right. sigraph is is sigraph yeah right it's bigger <laughs> for sure well not as big as it used to be but uh 2007 was still pretty darn big at that point so it was pretty cool uh okay all right, so that's cool. So, that, so what, what was your, what was your next gig? And well, first of all, what were you, what were you interested in when you were starting to to do stuff? When you were a scanline, were you just more of a generalist in a lot of ways, or how would you classify? Yeah, yeah, it? totally, yeah, totally generalist. Okay. I did everything, but I've never been, I've never been a modeler, and I've also never been an animator. I, hmm. I, yeah, tried, but I figured out quite like early that. That the the rendering side of things and also like the the technical stuff like um, programming or scripting, and right. and that kind of stuff is more what I'm interested in and what I'm good at. You know, it's, sure. Of course, like by now, I still cannot model, <laughs> right. but uh, I I um, like right now, like after like. Fast forward 15 years or 16 years after my first gig, I'm now the head of 3D at Rise. So it's like right. I must know something about the the process, but <laughs> it doesn't mean that I know everything, and it doesn't mean that I'm a, 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 an actual like artist. On like if you sure. if you if you look at the artistic side of things, I'm I'm I'm, I'm heavily into the technical side. Yeah. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I can say the same. Like, I started out when my first job at DD was in the modeling department, and I can't. I mean, I was good then, but I'm. I can't model anymore. <laughs> you know, barely. I just import models, and that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, then just complain about uh, UVs and yeah, uh, yeah like <laughs> fucked up topology. But yeah, yeah. can't render yeah. that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly okay well that's cool all right so what got you into programming i mean you always sort of done programming or did you sort of pick that up as uh, as you go as you were going no no that was way before like um so my i started programming on a commodore c64 right basic when i yep. was i don't know 10 maybe in 1990 yep. <laughs> something like that yeah, yeah. and 
then I got my first like PC in mm -hmm. 1994, I think. Then I got into um, Turbo Pascal. That is like yep. closely, like kind of close to to C. Then I struggled with the uh, like all the all the low level stuff like pointers. So I just said, okay, it's like the programming is not for me. Wh whatever those pointers are, I don't want to know. I just want to <laughs> script. Uh, okay, by now I know how to use pointers, but back then I was fourteen. So uh, this was like so the programming came first right. uh, in my life, but then um, a friend of mine, like from school, from high school, he told me that he just got a book from his uncle, like I don't know, a, a huge book, like eight hundred pages or so, mm -hmm. uh, called "Learning 3D Studio R4." <laughs> so <laughs> then I. And he said, I have no use for that book. Do you want it, Ollie? I was like, looks great. I can do images like 3D. Right. So, sounds good <laughs> at the age right. of 14. So I just I, I grabbed the book and then I found um, or I was looking for like a, a shady software reseller on... <laughs> <laughs> yep. in my in on the schoolyard or at the schoolyard and for some reason he came up someone came up with like 40 discs with like 40 uh what was it back then not zips it was arj archives so right. i unpacked that at home and yep. all of a sudden there was like 3d studio showing up on my pc <laughs> and then i started fiddling around with boxes and cylinders and whatever cones and i basically built some 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 super basic models and yeah that was my first uh, uh contact with with 3d at all it's like 3d studio in wow. 1994 yeah well yeah i know exactly when that was i was uh, i was i was at i was at rice university doing Similar things, except that I didn't buy the software from the school. <laughs> school yeah, <laughs> yeah they charged one, 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 one buck per disc. <laughs> one buck per disc. They did it by, by disc, by volume yeah, they, of discs. They, they, you need to pay per disc. <laughs> 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 okay, that's funny. That's funny. Okay, so that's yeah, that's sort of you. So you were really self-taught in a lot of ways. All this stuff you sort of learned totally, on completely, your own. Yeah. entirely, yeah. and like even though like. After, like, I got my hands on 3D at the age of 14. Then I did, like, my um, finished high school. And then I uh, was looking, like, for something that I, like, could study after that. Because I wanted to study something. I was looking for, like, um, uh, like, um, I, like, what was it called? Information technology or, like, like, I wanted to study programming, more or less. Mm-hmm. And talked to a few universities, told them that I'm also interested in the 3D side of things. And one of the the, the universities, they uh, told me that I may want to look into uh, studying media technology uh, instead. And they also pointed me to, to, to the university where I actually ended up then studying uh, media technology also in, in Germany. Um, at, uh, it's a small university in a town called Midweida. 
Mhm. Shoutout. To mit weiter. So, yeah, but it turned out that even though I studied media technology, there was like not even 1% of 3D in there. There was some courses like after in like in the fifth semester uh, mm. where we had to model a chessboard and that okay. was pretty much it. Mm. <laughs> that was all the 3D uh, we did uh, in uh, four years. <laughs> wow. So, but yeah, the good thing is there were many like-minded people. So uh, yeah. we have uh, we had a lot of people like there were different focuses few focused on uh, television some on radio some on multimedia some on even on print I was on the multimedia side of things and we had a lot of student projects going on like not the stuff that you know from film academy we didn't do any short films or stuff like that we mostly focused on like on-air um, graphics to to feed the TV people uh, on mm -hmm. the in in the in the media technology branch, and so at least uh, during that time, um, I could uh, teach myself. And the cool thing is, uh, we had like a multimedia lab laboratory, mm -hmm. and they actually had uh, SGI O2s in there, mm. and they even had Maya. 1.5 yeah 1.5 on them like in 1999 so i started um with maya 1.5 and like back in back at that time like i was um still on 3ds max like after 3d studio r4 next step obviously was going to windows 3d max i think i started with 2.0 and uh, by the time I switched to Maya there was I don't know max 4 or 5 I don't know mm -hmm. so and yeah at one point I was like oh, Maya I don't know if I really want to keep using that and I was about to switch back to max when we went to uh, do you know uh, this um, big uh, trade fair or exhibition called Sebit uh, in Germany mm -hmm. it's like it was Back in the days, this was one of the biggest IT trade shows, like next okay. to CES, um, the biggest one in Europe, at least. And we went there. And yeah. there was also, um, SGI was um, uh, showing stuff there uh -huh. uh, together with ILM, where they showed the work they did on uh, episode one. Right. So, and this was the time where I said, okay, I'm not going to switch back to. 3ds max because they showed everything in maya i was totally right. blown away by the stuff that they they did back then so i decided to stick with maya and 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 keep going and kept going basically right um yeah also of course then i i found mel uh -huh. in maya which is like syntax wise similar to c or to to the stuff i already knew mm -hmm. so that was kind of like didn't need to start from scratch so i kind of knew the syntax already was easy to to pick up and yeah i went from there like trying to render stuff trying to script stuff yeah and yeah that's pretty that's much awesome. how, how i taught myself and i i got a big fat another big fat book 
um, on like learn. I think it was even called Learning Maya. I think four point five or something like that. Like Maya four okay. or five. It also had eight hundred or a thousand pages. That was yep. back in the days where we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have anything. There was only uh, the 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 Norman video tutorials, yep. uh, the DVDs, right? So, but I didn't didn't um, uh, watch many of them. So it's basically all reading, right? Uh, yep. Yeah, and even those were for ripped you, off. I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, when I, oh God, I mean, it's the same thing. I, I started in ninety, in ninety three, I think, is the first. Well, no, I did stuff before. Anyway, but yeah, it was the same thing. And I do remember that Maya one point or was it one point five? Because at that time, I was working at, um, I was working at at Rice University and I was, I had to teach it and I didn't know it. It just came out. So I had to learn it and then teach it <laughs> at the same time. And so, oh boy. The, yeah. And so, uh, they, the, the, the instructions for it, cause it, it, it's like, it was like 12 books, like the whole bookshelf with like, I was mm -hmm. like, Oh my God. Cause it had everything. Like it, that was, they literally had a bookshelf. Now you, now when you buy software, it never comes with a book or at all. Right. It no. comes with a help file. <laughs> Maybe that. So, but yeah, it was this huge book and I was like, Oh my God, how am I going to learn all this software? <laughs> it was big. Yeah. Back then. Okay. So, so Maya became your tool of choice, your 3d package of choice after that, huh? Yeah, yeah, and I I used to love it back then, yeah. back then, and I I I used it um, up until like kind of exclusively until two thousand and ten. Okay. So um, at Scanline, I started mm -hmm. as a I was a freelancer already, so I, I um, registered as a freelancer in two thousand and three, still mm -hmm. studying. So. I was a freelancer for 14 years, so until 2017. And in, okay. but by getting back to Maya, in 2010, um, I rediscovered Houdini. So uh -huh. I saw Houdini like for the first time also during my studies, but uh, for the, the second time I saw it at SIGGRAPH San Diego. Yeah. And I was like, that was Houdini 9. And I was like, mm, looks tempting. It looks, looks really cool. Mm -hmm. And forgot about it a little bit. And three years later, I was working at uh, Macavision in Munich doing like automotive stuff, uh, car configurators. Um, and one of, the, of my colleagues, he saw me because I, I was building like Macavision back then, like it was a 3ds Max shop in Stuttgart, all 3ds Max, MVRay, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But in Munich, they didn't have anything, so mm -hmm. they assembled a team in Munich to do car configurators, and basically gave us like we could do whatever the fuck we want there, basically. Right. So I, uh, we said, okay, we're gonna use Maya, we're gonna use VRay, and I'm gonna. Uh, I was more or less CG Soup and Pipeline. Uh, lead at the same time for this so i was coding a lot of pipeline tools uh, for those like configurators and my colleague who saw what i do mm -hmm. he said ollie you really need to look into Houdini with like your skill set check it out and i was like right. okay let's let's check it out and then in 2010 basically was the was the beginning of my 
uh, Houdini learning path. Everyone yep. knows how that learning path looks. It's steep at first. It's have, very have steep. Have you seen this, this scribble where there's no, a lot no. of like, uh, there's a cool scribble. If you, if you, if you Google Houdini learning path, there's a, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a, there's a little, um, a drawing of a friend yeah. of mine. Uh, his name is Freak. Uh, uh -huh. And there's, there's a lot of like uh, dead people <laughs> on that <laughs> path. So many people died learning Houdini, uh, which is, could be true because there's, it's it's hard it's tough but it's a steep path. it's totally worth it it's totally mm -hmm. worth it so and yeah then i then you basically used both of the tools for many years yep and i also like 2010 there was macavision like I, i did a lot of automotive after like after leaving scanline there was mainly automotive in my life up until 2014 where I re or where I came back into visual effects when okay. I joined um, Trickster. So Trickster, same deal, Maya, but then uh, they added Katana to the mix. So this was my first contact with Katana, which I really, really liked for 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 rendering. Really mm -hmm. cool, but I hated it for for look death or like for for shading. Like mm -hmm. just wiring shading networks in 2014, I must say, maybe better mm -hmm. now, was a nightmare. I, I, I have no idea how they, <laughs> how they could come up with with such a like user experience um, at Sony right. because they must have used it or they were using it um, internally um, for a lot of years and and obviously no one complained. But I thought like how how can you how can you do that? But still, Katana. 2014, great tool. Trickstar, great company also. Um, love working there. Cool projects also. Like the, the first project was that I worked on was um, Captain America Winter Soldier. Oh, nice. Which was cool. Really cool. And then I had a little time off. And they then, then they booked me again for uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah. Where we... I did the... The look death for Ultron Mark One, like the first one, the the one that they assembled from old uh, uh, Iron Man suits, like the right. the one that I don't know if you remember it. This this thing that was like dripping oil and a fucked up mask and all that stuff, yeah, like yeah, yeah, basically yeah. really Mark One, right? It, they 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 smash it like right away in the in the first sequence, and then they rebuild it like with the slick. Um, futuristic look that i think ilm did then afterwards but sure yeah yeah, so yeah yeah that was maya katana after that we we brought a, f a little bit of also houdini into the mix um uh at, at, at trickster where we did what was it what was it working on <laughs> guardians yeah guardians of the oh, galaxy okay. volume two but right yeah Again, was was cool. I was always I was just doing look dev. I didn't even like um, finish. I, th I think I didn't even finish a single shot. I I just like look dev a few of them. Like did some um, uh, lighting, uh, but uh, I needed to hand over all my work um, to someone else because um, my wife was pregnant. My son was about to 
be delivered. Mm -hmm. And so I needed some time off. And by the time my wife uh, was pregnant in 2016, um, Rice approached me um, because they wanted to open up a new studio or a new, new, new location in Munich. By the time they had their headquarter in Berlin, Sure. And like the the lighter facility in Cologne and 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 the, another branch in in Stuttgart, where I also worked as a freelancer. I totally forgot to mention that. So during that time, like before 2016, I was already working at Rice as a freelancer, just also as a look dev lighting guy. I was also um, the CG lead um, in Stuttgart on Captain America: Civil War, and. They knew what I was capable of, so they they called me at the end of 2016 and asked me if I want to become the first CG soup in Munich, basically building building the the uh, the Munich office um, as like artist number one. We of course we had three other people starting before me, but um, I was basically the first one pushing pixels in Munich right. as a CG soup. Yeah, I'm not sure okay. if like this was kind of. I was jumping between the the years right now because I like th there were there were just a few like main um stops in my career there was like Macavision I was also at RTT once like for just a few 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 weeks or months freelancing right. obviously so then but mainly then um working at Trickster and Rice a few other small shops I've also been to Framestore for a couple of weeks only <laughs> not because they didn't like me but only because they uh it was actually a great show um they they hired me i didn't know what what show i was uh, supposed to work on then i showed up and then they told me um hey ollie uh we were we planned to use you on a like sky tv thingy trailer thing but turned out we need uh, people to help out on um, the the James Bond title sequence for the uh, uh, Spectre uh, movie, like um, the I don't know which one it was, like 2015, mm -hmm. the one with the the Spectre, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so I had five weeks at Framestore, uh, which were great. Um, and there we worked with Houdini. And H2A, like uh, Houdini to Arnold um, mm -hmm. Bridge, which was also quite interesting because I knew Arnold from the time at Trickster, where we um, used um, Katana with Arnold. Then went to Framestore, where we used, they used Houdini and Arnold as well. And then I moved, when I moved to Rise, obviously everything changed. Because Rice back in back then was a hundred percent Houdini mantra. Okay. And of course Maya for all the stuff that comes before, like set build, animation, all that stuff. So by now I've seen a lot. I wouldn't say everything, <laughs> but a lot. <laughs> you certainly have, that's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Okay. Actually, so 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 this is where you are now. You're still at Rise, right? Correct. Five yeah, years and, you're, and counting. Five years, and and you're no longer freelance. You are the head of the three D department, right? Yeah, yeah. That also <laughs> was a little was like there was some uh, at, um, a wild ride, I would say, 
Sure. So it started started easy, kind of in in my first year at Rice in 2016, right. where we did um, obviously not if you build a new office, you don't throw in the the big Marvel shows. We did some um, some of the easy tasks, even though we worked we also worked on on on, on uh, Black Panther back then, but uh, we we only like. Um, supported the berlin crew the the berlin team was the the main uh the main crew and we supported them uh, on the 3d side of things and mainly in comp so and then also we had a few german movies where i was uh cg soup um not very well known it's like what one is um, called jim button mm-hmm. and the other one was i don't know um Babylon Berlin. I don't. This is kind of big-ish. Um, okay. Um, but yeah, still. Um, yeah, I was CG soup at Rice, um, and at one point they Rice was Rice was always um, trying to do some like feature animation work, and we always worked as a like rendering vendor also for 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 feature animation movies um before my time but when like in at the end of it's 27 17 end of 2017 was it 17 yes um I was uh, assigned to a um, fully a full CG feature uh, project to work um, as as an like asset build lead because um, a lot of the assets for the for the feature film were done in Munich, so it was a split half half between Berlin and Munich for the asset build. Then. Um, there were some, let's say there were some issues on the show because there were way too many vendors involved. Excuse me. Right. <clears throat> uh, way too many vendors involved and a um, lot of politics going on. So the the project at one point hit a wall <laughs> and then uh, everything... Wait wait a second. Can I, can I mute myself for a second? Sure. Okay, much better now. Um, so project hit a wall. It came to like a went on hiatus for I would say a couple of weeks. Um, so everyone um, reassembled more or less and or restructured. And then um, I got a call from 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 one of the founders of Rice um, from Berlin, asking me um, to take over the entire show and move it um to munich uh, like still having a team in berlin obviously but sure. um so I, I took over the responsibility as like the main cg soup and what i learned a couple of weeks after is that i was also now the vfx soup <laughs> on that show <laughs> that, that i wasn't really aware of but um in the end yeah okay so cool now, now you're the 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 overall supervisor of the show, um, right. and yeah. So this this was basically. Let I need to I need to do the math. This was 2018 already. 
So I took over the project um, basically uh, like in, right after SIGGRAPH 2018. So okay. um, I came back from SIGGRAPH and then we hit the ground running and um, finished asset build until the end of 2018 and then um, finished the entire show um, until the end of 2019, which surprise surprise uh let me uh like i think i had my my third burnout in my career always like this close to burning out so i I skipped that part um in like the last couple of minutes because um like burning out or like going over my limits is always was always uh with me throughout my career so there were many like there were at least two times before this project where I um, pushed way beyond uh, I, what I should, um, way beyond the, the healthy part of uh, the work-life balance. And so, yeah, but again, like I was only close to burning out, but it was really tough uh, to finish that show. It was not, not because of rice. It was because of, everything um that that happened throughout that show and i can say i survived maybe i uh i tried to take away um too much pressure from the team and loaded it up on me uh which may be a good thing but in the end i yeah i nearly paid the price but again the the team was absolutely amazing on that show so and they they already also had my back during that time when i was uh not able to 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 work like i uh, i stopped working for two weeks um because it was just like way too close um to 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 burning out and i i came back two weeks later the show was in it's really in, on the on the final stretch and even though I did not want to, I needed to uh, to work or to deliver the. La- I needed to deliver the last two sh- shots up by myself. <laughs> so right. I thought I I would get around this. Like, okay, guys, I'm off for two weeks. Finish this fucking show. Uh, when I'm back, please don't have me touch any more pixels. Mm-hmm. I came back. Okay, Ollie, we need you to work on this again. Okay, oh, God. cool, but. Again, it worked, and uh, I don't want to like. I, w- I don't want this to sound too negative. Uh, so the 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 final product is turned out great. Yeah, and I still love the director. I love the the CG soup from from the client side. I I have no hard feelings against anyone. So it's it's all good. I still love Rice Rice, mm-hmm. and I will. It's it's a great company, so yeah. It was but just tough. Sometimes I, wanted, you just I just have wanted tough to shows, be honest, man. right? <laughs> yeah. I just I don't want to I don't want to tell everyone like, hey, it was smooth sailing all the way because yeah. it never is. Like in crunch mode, the problem in this project was the crunch was too long. The crunch was like usually you have I don't know two months maybe crunch, maybe a little mm-hmm. longer, but on this show the crunch went for like half a year or so and at one point i was like i really couldn't take it anymore and i was like guys 
I need to take some time off. I can't yeah. go any any further. Yeah. But again, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's, I don't think we're built for that. You know, that's just doesn't work that way. But yeah, I am curious. I, I, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, you obviously, you know, you've, t- you've, you've sort of touched a lot of different kinds of tools and you've done a lot of really interesting things. And obviously you've gotten into Houdini as well. And, uh, you know, this has been something that's been a really big deal recently where I'm starting to see a lot more people having interest in, in tools like Houdini and Solaris more specifically, and how that's going to uh, affect the work that you've done as, as have you seen it. So what are your thoughts on Houdini, Solaris, USD, Material X, all that kind of stuff? Like what's, what's, what are your thoughts? And especially you brought in the idea of like all these assets from different vendors, like, you know, so mm-hmm. you've been dealing with that problem for a long time, especially on big Marvel films. So what I just curious to see what your thoughts is and how if this, if you think we actually okay, have some something about this. Yeah, let's let's split this up into two parts. Like part one is like the the whole Houdini Solaris thingy, yep. and part two is like the the asset um, exchange between different vendors. So first of all, <laughs> I don't know if you have seen it, but um, and it's already online. Um, my colleagues, Simon Oler and Andreas Giesen, they mm. just did a presentation at SIGGRAPH in Vancouver. And they basically showed in 60 minutes the way we build our pipeline around in Solaris around USD. Um, I think this is 60 minutes well spent if you watch this. To everyone out there, it's on the side effects um, YouTube channel. Um, I don't know. Off to new shows. We'll put a link. We'll put a link shows. in the page. Yeah. Yeah, we we'll we should um, because this is um, we got feedback from many people um, from the big shops, and everyone was totally blown away that we are using Solaris in this way already because you know with. USD is one thing, like USD is old. <laughs> it's yeah. it's like the uh, Pixar is using it uh, since 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 many years already, mm-hmm. and it's I think it's their the the, the fourth installment of their um, asset and shot layering uh, framework. So they already had three before USD. So now and they are using it since I think. 10 years, eight, 10 years, something like that. And now they, they opened this up um, to the public and um, side effects made a very bold move seven years ago, I think six or seven years ago uh, by, they were, they were already, they were about to build their own lighting and layout context like from scratch on their own based on their opinions. Right. But then like they were already into the process, but then people pointed them at USD telling them, Hey guys, don't, don't come up with your own stuff. Look at this, check this out. And they, they ditched their entire development. They did so far and went full USD. And, this is like many years ago already. So, and mm-hmm. now you see 
that um, the fact that they 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 decided to go full on USD early on is what brought them ahead of the curve, like that far ahead of the curve uh, to where they are now. And the cool thing is, um, even though rise is small, which may be the reason why we could do that, is now rise jumped on this um, USD Solaris thing also already three years ago. We we had this like leap of faith. I don't know. Um, sure. To to we, we we dedicated one of our developers Simon uh, to work on. Um, basically our second or I think it's already the third um, iteration of our own pipeline of our in-house pipeline and we said or we thought that Solaris and USD are the way to go which as it turned out was a very good bet <laughs> so um, seeing that everyone else in the industry is now jumping on to the USD train um we can we can say that we are already like our our pipeline is completely switched to USD and Solaris since half a year or right. uh, November November last year. So, okay. um, and we are so lucky that Pixar open sourced this because the amount of development that's in there and the amount of thought and complexity you you don't come up with this stuff if you think about like how can we build a pipeline pixar did three pipelines before that and right. now on his on the with the fourth shot they came up with usd and there are very bright minds at pixar and sure. it's the the fourth try <laughs> so now yep. you you have a like usd is a kind of a pipeline in itself it's yep. it 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 doesn't of course, you have to build your tools and, and, and your stuff around it. Of course, you need to have a database and asset management and, and production tracking, all that stuff you don't get for free with USD. But the, 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 the possibilities and the, the complexity or the, the freedom to, 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 to do stuff um, that comes with USD is, is just yeah it's more than you will ever need i would i would say there's there's so much um uh, um yeah i think it used is here to stay for quite a while so yeah um, i th i think it's interesting because obviously you know i've i've been hearing similar things to you obviously people who are not necessary didn't didn't jump onto it as early as you guys did or weren't as early adopters as you guys were but uh, I know that this is a thing and this has been a theme, obviously chaos has been hearing and certainly responding to uh, uh, quite a bit. I mean, we've, we've been working, our V-Ray for Houdini team has been very diligent about it and doing a lot of stuff with Solaris as well. And it's, it's quite interesting. I find it interesting that uh, with so many packages out there that tried to create these little uh, walled gardens, you know, of just my system, right. That, Houdini or the side effects guys embraced the most open source format or the newest and most open source format for what they were doing. And that is sort of what gave them such interesting, uh, you know, a lot more feedback. And I hear 
you know, it was kind of a, a, you know, a friend of mine was joking. He says, if you had told me 10 years ago that the biggest up and coming 3D packages in the visual effects industry were going to be Blender and Houdini, I would have said, there's no way, <laughs> you know. but 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 i think that's where we are so it's kind of an interesting thing what are your thoughts about you know obviously the the preview surface is not quite enough to sort of have a universal format uh, for for shading what are your thoughts on material x and how do you think do you think that's going to solve certain problems for you yeah so preview surface i totally agree (laughs) that that's that's just not let's call it preview surface (laughs) yeah but why why would you like they knew about like all the like arnold shaders v-ray shaders and like all the uber shaders you have like they if if you look at them like right now with material x they agreed Mm -hmm. upon the autodesk's uh standard surface which are now called uh material x standard surface so it's Mm -hmm. basically they they could have um, put a little more effort in the USD preview surface to kind of do the same because it was already the knowledge was already out there. Still, okay, we have Material X. That is the other thing where Rise made and also um, Side Effects made kind of a bold move because Side Effects added support for material x in solaris at the last minute before the houdini 19 release so it was not clear if they would have uh, material x in solaris and karma um up until like really late uh in the in the houdini 19 development cycle but luckily and lucky for us at rise material x made it into the release and we kind of also, because this was the moment where we switched our first project to our USD pipeline. And like just right before that, we found out that we will have Material X available. So we also said we're going full Material X advice. So because we, yeah, of course, no one knew. And also, I have to say, Material X does not support everything that you are used to right now. But... Um, side effects is doing a great job in just um, adding their own material X nodes um, that they need for karma. And you as a, a third party vendor, as a render vendor, um, just need to re-implement or implement those nodes into your renderer. So basically side effects is now also one of the main drivers behind material x to make Mm -hmm. this like feature complete more or less there are still a few things missing but i think with 19.5 um side effects came up with a lot of nodes that are like material x nodes but they are only implemented for karma now so if you want to switch to v-ray or renderman you won't get any result because then the nodes need to be implemented by by chaos or pixar right. or, or other desk but again they are pushing material x really really hard right now and this is something that material x needed i think because i think like ilm was using it um extensively and of course they could implement their own nodes in-house i don't know what they have but they obviously have or probably have more nodes 
uh, available than, than, than there are in the Material X library, I suppose. Also, sure. there's uh, the Llama nodes that are like developed um, at ILM together with Pixar. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's like how. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask you questions <laughs> about V-Ray, but um, how's, the, how's the state of the art uh, regarding V-Ray, MaterialX, and, and, and stuff? Uh, well, I don't know how much I can say, especially since it's on a podcast, but oh, we can talk. Ah, after. okay. <laughs> we can talk after. Well, let's definitely say that we, do, we listen to our customers and we're looking at things and solutions to make okay, sure cool. that everything needs to be happening. Uh, yeah, okay. but, but, cool. so I'm not going to ask any more questions. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, it's, of course it's fine. But no, you're right. I think you know. The, I think what's interesting is 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 what this does. And my what my my thing is okay. Look at looking at what you guys did. Obviously, Houdini is, uh, uh, and Solaris is uh, you know they've they've embraced USD, USD. You guys have embraced USD, Material X. Other studios are looking to do the same. I big trend i'm hearing everyone saying we're going to do uh next year or two we're going to slowly m- migrate our entire pipeline over to houdini uh, or solaris right for, for scene assembly for scene assembly more specifically right not necessarily for animation they're not going to do animation that's going to be differently uh in a program like maya for example but um i think that it's very interesting to sort of think about what this um what this means especially in light of what you were talking about before with Marvel stuff, right? So Marvel has a ton of vendors and there has to be a ton of interchange of, for, of, of assets that goes around. What do you, do, you, do you think that this is going to magically take care of a lot of those problems? Or do you think there's still going to be a huge amount of asset management that happens between vendors? Um, I've seen proposals from vendors, which I won't name, <laughs> mm-hmm. that um, are trying to agree upon an asset standard that makes it possible to interchange seamlessly. Right. Because USD gives you this flexibility. The thing is, if you ship your asset with Arnold shaders, that's not good. <laughs> Because right. then everyone has to render using Arnold, right? Or V-Ray, you name it, right? Sure. If you ship your assets with Material X shaders, that's a different story because now everyone can choose which renderer they like. So it comes down to the implementation of the Material X nodes in each renderer. If the implementation is doing the same math gonna look the same and if you only like let's say if you exchange assets and if you bake all your shader inputs directly like except for like the view dependent ones you are you have the material x standard surface with texture inputs and every renderer should be able to come up with the same result So this means if we get an asset from vendor X, we just hit render in an ideal world. Of course, there are some, like the the way you build your asset structure, like especially with variants and LODs and material variations and all that stuff. 
like if you go if you go a little more complex then of course everyone might have different naming might have different variant or structure like the the USD the USD asset is not just the model come with the texture and the shader in mm -hmm. USD there is so much complexity that you have to that, that every vendor has to figure out um, by themselves how to um, what fits best for their pipeline. So basically, how do you encode LODs? How do you encode model variation uh, model variations and shader variations? All that stuff. Um, this should be consistent, and this is something that vendors have to agree upon. Like the the not not the the render vendors, but the the studios and uh, not the studios. Sorry, the the visual effects vendors like Rise, ILM, Weather, whatever. Like so, or you agree upon like this a certain base structure with um, where do we start the like if we ship an asset to a different vendor we just need to convert our layers and variants to the to, to the to the model that we have agreed upon um, across all vendors so it says model variants go there LODs go there and are named like this so mm -hmm. so if we need then need to ship an asset we just do a simple conversion we just do we just need to like change a few things maybe in the hierarchy or wherever to make it um cross vendor compatible more or less and then once you you receive an asset from another vendor you just convert it to your usd structure but this is way less um complicated than what we have right now where you get everything totally mixed up and everyone has to rebuild shading networks based on turntables you get from a different vendor which takes ages every time and so i think yeah usd will take away a lot of the headaches um in terms of asset interchangeability but it will not be a magic bullet yeah that makes sense i mean it's obviously like you said it's like you still have to solve the human problem, <laughs> right? And everyone yeah, does and things the pipelines, yeah, specifics like you you need stuff named a certain way in your pipeline. Okay, then you need to rename the stuff when it comes from a different vendor. But this is not a big deal, I think, because if every if we agree on like a standard exchange hierarchy and structure of the USD, like what mm -hmm. what you do after the ingest, that's up to you. And if you like. And it's just like the the code or the the, the tools you need to ingest and outsource um, or to deliver to do asset deliveries uh, will become way less um, problematic than it is right now. I have a feeling that it's going to go. I think it's when once the visual effects industry has has kicked the tires on USD and on standard exchange formats, etc. I have a feeling that USD will become like HTML and it will become the standard 3D package that everyone's going to use. Yeah, look, look at Apple. Apple is yeah. full on USD for all their AR stuff. Right. They, 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 and NVIDIA, Omniverse is built on USD, upon yeah. USD. Like they did, yeah. not, they did not refactor their code to work with USD. No, they built yep. the thing based on USD. It's like, and if NVIDIA with Omniverse, they, I think they have a big vision 
and they are going to drive a lot of also use the core development same as I with think Apple. I think it's great because then you can take you know you can take your asset and you can you can use it in Omniverse, you can use it in AppleKit, you can use it in what in Facebook Meta, you can use it in Fortnite, you know <laughs> whatever, right? And I think that that would be that would be amazing to be able to just have an agreed upon sort of yeah. solution that everyone's going to be. Yeah, about. the thing that I'm curious about is what will happen to the render engines because oh, the render engines. I think the render engines are going to be like browsers, right? Just like yeah, a browser. But then again, how many do you need? Well, some uh, like, people like Firefox, some people like Chrome, some people like Opera, some but, people no, like What is what will Brave. be the USP? I use Brave what now. Will, <laughs> yeah, but what will be the USP of your renderer in the end? Like if there's no like if everything's using the same like everything everybody supports Material X. Everything sure. everybody has USD. There's yep. no, <clears throat> there's the only thing that that matters in the end is how fast do you render, yep. right? That's the only thing that should matter. It's <clears throat> <laughs> yep. the only thing that should matter. And, that, you know, and I'm sure you've done this before. When people do like a studio says, we're going to test different renderers and they'll do like Arnold versus V-Ray versus RenderMan versus... Ratchet, I've done that, whatever. yeah. Yeah, right. We've all done it, right? If your renders don't look exactly the same, then you've done it wrong, <laughs> right? But then because again, two plus no... two, two plus two equals four, no matter which calculator you use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> it's it's just math, right? In the end. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> of course, the, the the different shader models were like kind of prohibitive, so you were comparing apples to oranges, um, right. because you needed to use like the V-Ray material versus the Arnold surface versus the uh, Pixar surface and they all yeah. work differently. So, but right. with the Material X standard surface, you have one well, that's a, target. That's a question. D does that stifle innovation in shaders where everyone has to use the same one and they can't have, okay, I came up with a really cool shader that's not a Material X shader that only works in V-Ray because I've, you know, coded V-Ray to be optimized for that, right? Like that's one of the issues you have with like, for example, when you're looking at OSL, OSL is pretty cool, but it's really slow because it has to, it's not optimized for your render, right? So, yeah. so that's kind of the issue with it. But anyway, I'm curious, I'm curious. It's, but it could be interesting. If everything is the same, why, what matters to rendering? <laughs> it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. But still... I think V-Ray um, is also here to stay because um, <laughs> even though, like, if you brute force everything, then everything has to look the same. But then you have renderers out there that can only do brute force, right? Yep. And they will always be slow. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. now you have V-Ray, which can take shortcuts and yep. not brute force everything. Even though people, some people say don't render like a pussy, mm -hmm. I still think <laughs> having the option to take shortcuts is not a bad thing. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. Is is like do you I used know? To, like, a lot of people used to like to say we are an unbiased renderer because it sound it sounds good to say unbiased, mm. and I like no, to no, say no. you mean an unsmart renderer. Yeah, uh, unsmart. <laughs> we just yeah, just brute force the shit because we have a yeah. ton of money and we have we don't care about render power, right? Um, but we do care about render power. So, yeah, yeah, it's expensive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, very much. Well, cool. All right. Now we're coming, we're over an hour, but I want to really quickly before we go, you know, obviously we talked about some of the ideas of the future, which I love having these conversations with you because I knew we would have a good one, but what are some of the things you're looking forward to in the future? Like things besides, you know, unified pipelines. What I'm looking forward to. Uh, So... Faster rendering, and I'm not saying Unreal Engine. I I think I like Unreal. I like uh, having real time uh, graphics that look amazing. But um, they, I I got permission from SideFX to to say that um, SideFX is working on a um, new uh, viewport, a Vulkan based uh, real time viewport, which um, also which should work maybe it will um, mm. support material X shaders based like fully based on USD obviously and I hope like I'm looking forward to this new viewport in Solaris that has like real time like close to final um, quality and if you're happy with that you just hit the render button and send it off to any other offline render delegate um, uh, that you would like to use but this is something that i'm really curious about we're doing we, of course we we are looking into unreal also at, at rise right we are looking into it but still there are a lot of things that need additional work you can't just use your vfx asset in unreal out of the box you have to work still very much differently in the sequencer and all that stuff it's like it's not the same even though Unreal has USD support and they hopefully will have Material X support in 5.1 or oh no, not 5.1, but 5.2 maybe. Mm-hmm. But still, I yeah, I think Unreal is cool and we're looking into it, but I, I hope that there will be this this new cool viewport in, in, uh, in Solaris or in, in Houdini that gives us like f- close to final quality. Yep. Um, well, we have been. What I'm also looking forward to. This is something that I like noted that I wanted to 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 mention here, is um, all the all the neural rendering and neural radiance field stuff from Nvidia. That's so sick because I'm 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 a, I'm a big like the uh, Bevec fanboy, you know, uh, <laughs> yep. light stage, light fields. All that stuff and and like the the neural radiance fields are the next thing after light fields, right? This is. I Have you seen watched. those neural radiance fields? They're amazing. Yeah. The stuff that Google Research came out with recently it was incredible. Wasn't it Nvidia? No, it was Google Research that did some of the 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 where they were. I'm pretty sure it was Google Research, but this is something that I saw Paul doing. A while ago, when he was at Google, he's not at Google anymore. He's at Net- at Netflix now. But um, but yeah, it's I agree. I like that idea, and I also like the idea of doing that synthetically as well. 
and what that could look like. Uh, I think that's very interesting. Uh, so super exciting. And then, uh, but what was something else I was going to bring up to you? Um, since you brought it up. So real time. Yes. I'm a hundred percent with you. I actually, you know, I like unreal quite a bit. I am actually not, obviously not a super big fan of rasterized rendering. And that's not the thing that I think is exciting about unreal to me. What's exciting about unreal is how it does a lot of things real time, not just a rendering, yeah. but just Lumen, that it can do Lumen a is hardcore that's really it is, hardcore but, shit. okay lumen is basically what brick maps was in render man yeah yeah they're doing ago. a lot of smart stuff yeah yeah, yeah. of course yeah, but, but it's they not have ray to do tracing it like this. yeah they have but to do not, it like this how would you get 90 frames per second otherwise so. well i'll tell you how you do it you well you brute force it i hate to say it but if you look at what what uh, what uh you know uh, vantage is doing we're doing full ray tracing and we're getting i'm not getting 90 frames a second, but I'm getting 60 frames a second in HD, which is pretty good for full ray tracing. Full ray tracing. <laughs> Do you need um, specific pre-processing for this? Of like you need previous... GPUs. No, no, but no pre-processing involved. You just throw in your scene with all the shaders and say go? Yep. So then how about a, a Hydra Delegate? Vantage yeah, that, Hydra Delegate? Yes. yes Give me I that. Good. I buy it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, but oh, that's this the is thing. Also I something because I'm not. I don't. I really don't want to wait for Unreal to 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 have like seamless USD Material X integration. There must be something else, right? That's yeah. already there or that's closer to. And Hydra, to what I Hydra want. is Hydra is a great way, a great thing as well. I think we can. Look great at API, of like course. That. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay, we could geek out forever, but I think our audience is going to go, you guys got to stop with this. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> but it was really cool. Yeah, I think I'm excited. So real-time is a really good way. A nice new viewport solutions would be great. I think Hydra is great. And I've been very excited about that stuff as well. So uh, that's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Oliver. I really appreciate you coming on and being I'm part so of the conversation. I'm so happy to be on this podcast. <laughs> it was like, that's, that was actually on my bucket list. Really? Nice. Yeah, I was, I was, I was dreaming about that like for years because, yeah, <laughs> you know, we, we ran into each other quite, quite sometimes in the past, and I was like, uh -huh. "How do I get on this?" And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you approached me. I was like, "What did I do? Are you running out of guests or what?" <laughs> no, I never run out of guests. But what I usually do sometimes is I sort of just look around. It's like, oh, who haven't I talked to in a while? And I thought about you because of FMX and. Because I, I know you were at the FMX thing. I was like, oh, you know, Oliver would be great. He should be on the podcast. He's Thank you. So, yeah, so, cool. Cool. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Right. Chris, that yeah. was so good talking to you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Right, nice. Thank you, Stop. too.